0: 104.7 The Cave, J.K.L.H., Marshfield-Springfield, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Touchdown, Kansas City!
0: Now, it's time for Ned Talk.
2: Here we are together, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on a Sunday morning. This is our first Sunday morning
1: broadcast of Ned Talk. I'm Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? Absolutely superior day today. How, how could you not be anything but great with the sky all blue and the temperature balmy? Hey, it's it's perfect day.
2: We could ask uh, John Oliver that if he was here, but he's not. <laughs> he's under the weather, so it, it's not a good day for John Oliver. But Josh, Josh Roberts is with us. Josh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, the weather's... I love fall.
3: I just love the weather when it gets cool like this and... You know, you can sit out on your deck and smoke a cigar and drink some bourbon. It's
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's dissect last week's loss. Oof. First of all,
1: Ned, what did you think of the game? Well, in terms of an exciting game, it, it was that. There's no question about that. But, boy, you had to be, and it, this echoes, I think, everybody's thought process here. The, the defense has to be worked on. It just is not, at least at the moment, I think it will get better, but at the moment it is not cohesive. It's not playing in rhythm. I'm of the opinion that Chris Jones should be moved back to his old position again because he was diced and uh, made to look almost, I don't say foolish, but made to look totally ineffective by the Baltimore run. They would run him right past him. He had no clue as to what to do. And as a result, they come up with, what, 251 yards, some enormous figure like that, all on the ground, well, not all, but much of it on the ground, and very effective in stymieing Kansas City and keeping them off the field. In regards to the offense, there's no team that's going to be able to stop Kansas City at the moment unless some defensive guru comes up with a game plan or there's some key injuries. They're going to score. The secret is keeping them off the field and then outscoring them because you're not going to hold them down. But in terms of their defense, they do need to rework that. And that's why I think today's game is very significant because, Sandy, oh, oh. Get out Get out the, get the jar, guys. Get out the jar. Los Angeles, the Chargers, who should still be in San Diego, but that's beside the point. Agreed. The, uh, <laughs> the Chargers <laughs> do present a pretty good offensive team. They're different, totally different from Baltimore. But it's very good. Justin Herbert will do a very effective job if Kansas City doesn't tighten up their defense.
2: We talked before last week's game, and I I jokingly said that the Ravens would rush for 1,000 yards. They rushed for a quarter (laughs) of that, which is obscene. Yeah, it is. They could not stop the rush at all. And this is a team that had no running backs Going into the game, they're basically just signing somebody to stand back there and take the ball. And they made they the Chiefs' defense made these guys look like Herschel Walker, look like yeah Walter Payton. They were and not. I'm not knocking Lamar Jackson. He's a great running quarterback. He's he's a very good passing quarterback too. But the Chiefs found no way to stop the run. It was maddening to watch that game.
1: Mm-hmm. In 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 every respect, it was. And I think it may have given the uh, the Ravens a sense of false security. Here, we can do this against any team. No, We can't either. They are a passing team, and you're absolutely right. It was done by a collection of old pros, in yeah. the running back. Now, these are guys who know what to do, but they can't do it anymore. And yet they gained of 251, I think it was against the the Chiefs on offense, and that's uh, that. That just can't happen. Well. Los Angeles is younger than, uh, than the Baltimore Ravens. They have Austin Eckler, who's good, good running back. They have some others that have good receivers. And the running game can open up their passing game. You're right about Lamar Jackson. He is basically a passer, but he is also a very good runner. He can do a lot of things, and he's, he's so quick and elusive that he had Kansas City baffled
2: the whole game, mm-hmm. they the Chiefs just looked off-kilter defensively all game long, and you could tell that the plan was Chiefs thought that, well, they can't run, so we're going to set up and basically force him to pass. worked ex- really early. They got the pick six right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But then after that, the Ravens just ran, steamrolled over the Chiefs the rest of the game. Josh, what did you think? Well, I— uh, we had talked about
3: last week, like you said, that that was uh, a, a concern about the Chiefs defense was could they stop the run? And when a team comes in with their literally their fourth and fifth string running backs and do that, yes, it is laid bare that the Chiefs defense needs a lot of work because... They looked pretty good at first. They got the pick six, like you said, and you thought, okay, this is great. This is what they do. This is what the Chiefs' defense does. They get these big plays on defense that they get everybody riled up, and then the offense, like Ned has said, the offense is the offense. I believe their offense is their own worst enemy, though, because they they get out of their rhythm. They get out of the stuff that always works for them, and they, do, they try to do cutesy plays or trick plays or whatever it is they're doing, and then – It only, if they don't score every time, the defense isn't going to stop anybody right now. So that's where we end up with what
2: we ended up with this past week. What's the solution, Ned? Because you mentioned moving Chris Jones back to the spot that he's in, but it's obvious to me, at least I think, that this, the Spagnola defense is really predicated on a pass rush, that they want to. Get back and sack quarterbacks. That's why they have three big guys on that defensive line that are really good at doing that. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and the
1: guy that they brought in from Seattle. Uh, well, all- no, Clark's the guy they brought in from Seattle. It's Niang. Louis Niang is who they have in there. Although he alternates between the defensive and offensive sides, he's mostly defensive player. I'm sorry, mostly an offensive player. But in terms of defense they do have that, that three prong attack as you're yeah. talking about. Willie Gay is the key and he's not playing. He's yeah. got a toe injury. He should be he should be back next week when they play. But yes, it is based on the pass rush.
2: They brought in another another big pass rusher this year though, didn't they? From uh I thought it was from Seattle. They brought in a guy that uh he is double teamed as as much as Frank Clark.
1: Well, who is I'm that? lost on who that would
2: be. I can't remember the guy's name. Somebody probably will tell us, but I'll we'll look it up. We'll look it up. But anyway, their defense is predicated on the pass rush and not at all on stopping the run. you got guys that are, you know, that they're going up field. And if the run goes right by
1: them, then you're counting on your linebackers to yeah. stop those plays. And those linebackers really need to come to the fore and play a, a whole lot better. But... When you when you have a situation like that, you've got to crash your defensive backs and have them leave some of those receivers open if in fact you're being gashed on the line the way they were. And when that's the case, you just have to you simply have to tighten up and maybe change your formula to uh, to some extent.
3: Well, yeah, maybe change the blitz package a little bit, you know, get some extra pressure. Like you said, I mean, I feel like the the D backs are very quick well, they are. for the Chiefs. So I think they could do some weird disguised blitzing maybe that would throw off somebody's running game but yeah they they've got to they've got to tighten it up those guys on the line have got to stop the run
1: we'll see what happens today too because uh, that's exactly what Los Angeles is going to do and that's the key to their offense but over and above that herbert is a very good passer had a big week last week against the dallas cowboys he can do something did you find that guy you were looking for? i am
2: looking right now
1: we'll try. This? well you've got this not is, naughty who has this is the riveting radio by the way <laughs> <laughs> is, is, has is, a slight injury and is it jaron reed has a slight injury who jaron reed could be could be i honestly don't know I do not know. They make so many deals in the NFL, and they'll make them even during the season.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, see, yes, that's the guy that I'm talking about. Seattle Seahawks is where he started his career at and he came over to the Kansas City Chiefs this season, and he is, uh, I have not heard his name mentioned this season. He went to school at Alabama, and uh, he is, along with Frank Clark, the most double-teamed player in the NFL, so uh, I thought... You know, offensively, defensively, that this team would look a little bit better with three guys. But obviously, you've got three pass rushers. You've got to have a run stopper in there somewhere.
1: Paul Lamar's offensive line is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought they did a very nice job against Kansas City in blunting uh, the attack or the pass rush as such. But so did Lamar Jackson. He's the kind of guy who can blunt it by his own speed. Yeah. Uh, The same with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, That's how he blunts a major pass rush. Now, there are ways to defend that, but so far nobody's been able to do that. You block the side. You prevent them from scrambling and things like that.
2: Well, the interesting thing about Lamar Jackson was there were several plays where he just took the ball and took off. That He got it from the center and just went in between the center and the guard. And the pass rush was coming on either side of him, and so the middle of the field basically just opened up for him.
1: And they took full advantage of that, full advantage. That's that's called reading your defense and making adjustments and calling signals at the line of scrimmage, changing things, change-ups. That works if you're able to do that, but you have to have an experienced quarterback, you have to have a smart quarterback to pull that off, and you have to have the context of your line listening for those numbers.
2: You're listening to Dead Talk at your local live sports talk show. It is the pre-pregame show, the regular pregame show, the not irregular pregame show, which is where <laughs> we are. The uh, The Chiefs pregame show starts in about 50 minutes with Dan Israel, Art Haynes, and Mitch Holtis. Kickoff is a little afternoon today from Arrowhead as the Chiefs take on the Chargers. Let's talk about the Chiefs offense. I think three mistakes come to mind when I think about that game, the first one was Patrick Mahomes in the pass, the interception. Yeah. When he was just getting out of the pocket and he got tripped up and he went ahead and threw that pass. I think the Chiefs win that game if he tucks it and takes the second
1: Maybe, maybe there's so many other variables involved too. And I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't, I don't call it a mistake. I call it the ego of a very effective passer. He thinks he can, uh, can complete every pass and he can most of the time. So here he's about to go down, and he lets go of that pass thinking that his receiver is going to be free, and it's just a little bit to the, to the left of where the guys should have been and the defenders there. There's three defenders there but the fact is that he thought he could complete it otherwise he's not he's not a shoot from the hip type quarterback no. he's a smart guy he knows what he's doing and he feels like in every single instance he can he can complete those passes and most of the time he does it was a gamble a gamble that did not pay off but in terms of his doing that most of the time, yeah, I can fully expect that you will see that. If those opportunities present again to get that pass off, he knows he's got receivers out there.
3: Josh? I love how uh, they had, right before he threw that interception, they had just shown a stat that he had never thrown an interception in September.
2: Yeah. And, yeah, then, they he, had and lost then he
3: threw in one. Yeah, they hadn't lost in September. He had never thrown an interception in September. <laughs> and then like three plays later he does that. I'm like, Oh gosh, he's serious. Same
1: thing with the uh, client Edwards hilaire you know, he he hasn't fumbled since L S U or something right. like that and I mean, comps up the football. Yeah. It, it happens. It's part of the game. Those things do happen. And in terms of blaming him, Edwards Hilaire, if he hadn't fumbled, the Chiefs would have kicked a field goal and won the game. Yeah, they might have. But why were they there in the first place? Right. Should have been way ahead in the ballgame to where that didn't make any difference.
2: Let's well, let's talk about that for a second because that's my mistake number two. And I think the two and three go hand in hand. Hilaire's fumble. And Andy Reid playing it safe. Well, he does that. Because yeah. the Chiefs had gotten down the field on two or three plays, just quick passes where they were able to get out of bounds. Why go away from that? Why not call a couple of plays that are safe, that you feel safe with, put the game in the hands of Patrick Mahomes? He's the best player on the field, right? He's the best player of all the players that are on the field. Oh, yeah. Maybe the best football player out there. Why not put the game in his hands instead of somebody else's?
1: Good call. I, I yeah, I mean,
3: and Go. that's that's been my critis- My only criticism of Andy Reid has been that is that he gets sometimes it's almost like it's almost like what we used to say about Marty Schottenheimer, you know Schottenheimer ball, where he would get a lead and then he get way too conservative and they end up losing, and then that just fostered his fear of losing. So I I feel like Andy Reid does that sometimes too, where he becomes too conservative and takes the game out of the players' hands too much.
1: Well, he knows he has the luxury of Harrison Butker, who's a very good field Mm -hmm. goal kicker, who's going to put three points on the board regardless. And in this case, three points would have put Baltimore probably out of reach and would have won the game. So I think that's what they play for. You have to understand now, this is the NFL, and all these players are pros. They are top of the skill, the skill line level of players. And they can do a lot of things. Even the worst teams, they have great players. So you're taking into consideration the level of talent that you have, what you're able to do, and hey, we're all, what what difference does it make if we win by one point or 101 points? Right. it's not going to make a difference. It's a W. So let's let's play it safe to where we can get a score. I think that's what his thinking is, and it is a very conservative level of thinking.
2: Well, they were just lining it up for field goal attempt. But, again, I go back to, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans out there were screaming at the TV. I was screaming at the TV. Why run that play? Why not run a couple of safe pass plays? Then set yourself up for it. See if you can't get a little closer. Maybe a chip shot.
1: But Bucker's been bad at chip shots. So, uh, you know. I don't know. Let's let's and just in just as a point of argument, it may not be Andy Reid who's calling them. Maybe Eric B. enemy. He's yeah, the that's offensive true. coordinator. That's true. I don't think that
2: for a minute. I think that it's that that in that situation, it's Andy Reid that's calling that play. Oh no, do not know. Let's. You always like to play devil's advocate, so let me play devil's advocate for a second. Take your spot. Do you think? Let's go back to the very beginning of that game, and Lamar Jackson throws the pick six. If he does not throw that pick six and they march down the field, could you have seen that being a Baltimore blowout?
1: No, no. I don't think the Chiefs are going to get blown out of any game they play in. They may be high scoring games, 49 to 42 or something like that. But blowouts, uh, Kansas City will keep every game, excuse me, every game they play is going to be a close game because they do have a virtually, not literally, but virtually unstoppable offense.
2: What's your level of concern
1: If every team the Chiefs play, as the season goes on, is able to gash them up front, then I think you have a very serious concern. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they tighten things up. I think you'll see it today. But in regards to the other ball clubs they're playing now, keep in mind, Kansas City has a pretty stout schedule. And this is the NFL. There are no pushovers, no patsies. I hate to say Zip this. The but Jets, uh, well, there's Jaguars. One. There's another one they're playing next week too. It's also is green and white. And when oh, I, I the believe they are green and white. They are <laughs> capable of about a three and fourteen year two. Uh, I hate it. Hate to say that, but uh, those teams they're still professional football teams. They're right. still top level athletes who have, who you're paying contracts to to play. And from that standpoint. I think the NFL is correct with their philosophical approach that anything can happen on a given Sunday. Yeah, okay. Well, How about given Monday or given Thursday or something? Right.
2: <laughs> given Tuesday, Wednesday in the near future. Maybe. What's your What's your concern, Josh? Well, I am concerned
3: if, if teams can run on them like that, that they are going to have to score every time their offense has the ball. And like I said a minute ago, I feel like sometimes they're their worst enemy because they don't, they don't stick with the stuff that works all the time. They're trying to – I know they're trying to develop an offense. They're trying to continually develop an offense so that it doesn't get stale and so that people don't figure it all out. But if you can throw a, a three-yard slant pass to, to Travis Kelsey across the middle and he gets 14 or 15 yards after the catch, why don't you do that every time until they stop it? Because you've got enough weapons that there's somebody that could get you a positive yardage on every play, it seems. And I feel like they get away from it and get out of their own rhythm sometimes.
2: So that's what worries me. I think my biggest concern in watching that game is the still the lack of the third choice for uh, for the Chiefs as far as that goes. McCole Hardiman has not quite stepped up yet. Byron Pringle, not quite stepped up yet. Yeah. Uh, they, they're, they're not really using... Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that much as a wide receiver as a as a catching a pass out of the backfield so you got two choices there it's going to be Kelsey or Tyreek Hill and those guys are virtually unstoppable you're going to they're going to get a play in at least every game and Travis Kelsey I think is unstoppable but the Chiefs have to have to fill that third spot for them and and Sammy Watkins had a good game against them, had Mm -hmm. a really good game. So I think maybe the Chiefs miss Sammy Watkins a little bit other than his
1: injuries. The way it is, that Sammy Watkins was a weapon in their offense for the time that he was in there, and it was not all that much when you consider the scheme of things. But by the same token... This, this is pro football, and you are going to lose those players. Uh, they go to whatever the offer is best. Well, the Chiefs have also gotten their level of player with <clears throat> individuals who have come from uh, another standpoint and another place in the NFL. So yeah, that's part of the game. You adjust around that level of game. I think the Chiefs, as I pointed out earlier, are going to score on anybody. No such thing as a blowout with Kansas City, but... There's also no such thing as a guaranteed win either.
2: What's your thoughts on today's game? Do you see the possibility that the Chiefs
1: leave this game today with a losing record? No, no, I do not. I think Kansas City beats this team today. Uh, How handily, I don't know. I I was (laughs) very impressed in a negative way at at the spread, which is six and a half points. I don't think it should be anywhere near that high. The Chargers have a pretty good football team. They did lose last week 20-17 to to the Cowboys on a a 56-yard field goal at the gun. So you just kind of throw that out. That's a quirk. They've certainly played with Dallas and had a chance to beat them. But the Chargers can play. They have a lot of weapons, and Herbert is a big-time quarterback of the future. If he gets some protection back there and the Chiefs are shaky on defense the way they were last week, watch out. Interesting things can happen.
2: What do you think, Josh? Uh,
3: I'm a little worried just because until we can see if the defense has made adjustments this week, I'm concerned that the defense isn't going to be very good at stopping the run, which sets up the pass for the chargers, like Ned was saying, so yeah i'm a, I'm a little concerned i I hope the chiefs win i they definitely have the capability,
1: of course, but yeah, I'm a little worried. will you guys allow me the a second or two for an analogy on a prep level? I had the opportunity to see a game on Friday night. A, a game involving both of yours' alma mater and my family's alma mater, Glendale. Uh-huh. Glendale played Lebanon, and this is exactly the kind of contrast that we're talking about here. Glendale is almost all aerial game, Lebanon is almost no aerial game. And Lebanon's philosophy in this ball game, and they can do it because Will Christian has a very good football team, very good. They singled out, they being Lebanon, singled out one guy that really carried the mail on offense. And I don't know how many times, Musha, his name was, Cade Musha. He must have carried 35 to 40 times and gained 209 yards. This is a high school game. Wow. 209 yards on the ground. And Lebanon had the ball on the ground, keeping the Glendale offense on the sidelines. Yep. Won the game with a field goal at the gun. 31-28, uh, to 28, but they won it because they were able to practice ball control. At the end, with the game tie 28-28, and with about oh, four, minutes, four minutes to go in the game, Lebanon got the ball on their own nine and took the ball to the Glendale 24-yard line. They did it in that period of time wow. with all ground attack. Wow. There's the difference right there. If you don't have the defense to stop the run, and Kansas City is very much a question mark, you're going to run into problems.
2: One factor I'll bring up about today's game with the Chargers is the Chargers have a very rare defensive player that can control the game, and that's Joey
1: Bosa. Except that he's hurt. Is he hurt? Mm-hmm. He's he, not playing today? Well, no, no, no. He hasn't been ruled out of the game. But he's been hobbled by an ankle and foot injury. I think they're separate injuries. but And he has been, he has been labeled as questionable for this one. Oh, aren't we all questionable? (laughs)
0: We're
2: about 38 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It is a gorgeous fall Sunday morning.
2: Full day of football ahead of us. But last night, there was some football here in town, and we want to talk a little bit about that. Missouri State University. You're at the game.
1: I was playing the South Dakota University Coyotes, and they're not a bad team. Are they a great team? No. Are the Bears a great team? Well, in all honesty, the jury is still out. I will give you a bit of an analogy, though, as to or a bit of a comparison. Two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I beg your pardon, the Bears played Central Arkansas up here, and it was a shootout. And the Bears won the game down the stretch against a good Central Arkansas team. Last night, Central Arkansas played the number one team in America, the defending national champ, Sam Houston State. And Sam Houston State was up 28-7 at the half and won the game 45 45- 7 to 35 oh the bears win against central arkansas was a very good one their win against south dakota was a very good one and i I really feel like the bears will steamroller illinois state next week up in normal their illinois state's way down this is a good bears team very good bears team we drew and i say we collectively the city responded by having almost 13,000 in attendance last night crowd could have been bigger I think it will be bigger if the, fan, if the Bears are in contention as the season goes on. But they do things the right way. Missouri State was down 23-14 to 14 at halftime to South Dakota. Admittedly, South Dakota's three touchdowns early on, one was on a fumbled kickoff, another was on a fumbled snap from the center, and the third was a kickoff return following a Bears touchdown. Oh. So they're, 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 these, are, these are games in which the team did not drive the football. 23 14 scores, what makes the difference? Missouri State made adjustments, tightened up on their defense, shut down South Dakota in the second half. Sh- shut them down completely. They did not score. And Missouri State's offense came on, did score, and wins 31 23. Very, very nice victory. Good, te- good team, big crowd. I hope the enthusiasm continues as the as season goes on. That was the last night game that the Bears will play from here on in, starting. Not next week and not the week after, but the, the third weekend with the homecoming game against Indiana State. All the games will be in the day down here. But it makes no difference. It's a really good football team that's worthwhile.
2: Let me say this. Students, get out. Exactly. Go to the game. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, all the fraternities and sororities had their section over in the student side. Sometimes uh, the, the stadium was so full we had to sit in the end zone in the very back part of that. Get out go see the game support your team let the old fogies know you're out there don't let the, don't let the alumni fill up the stands and let's see were, some students you
1: graduated 80 88 or 89. 89 89 you were yeah. there in the glory years when Jesse Branch uh, had the playoff teams Jesse Branch was there last night and oh, was really? introduced crowd gave him a big round of applause and of all things Petrino comes away from his team huddle and comes over and shakes hands, which I thought was absolutely Class. great. Now, what a lot That's of folks don't realize is that Petrino has coached here before against Jesse Branch. When the Bears in 1990 played Idaho in the uh, first round of the, the uh, 1AA playoffs, uh, Jesse was, or, uh, uh, Bobby Petrino was the offensive coordinator for that team. Nice. Idaho team.
2: So. A big win, big win for the for the Bears. I mean, any time that you beat a team with Dakota in the name of it, <laughs> oh in, yeah, in our conference, it's that's a big win, and again, exciting. So again, next week could they play Illinois.
1: Illinois State on the road next week, and I think Youngstown is their next game, also on the road the following week, and then come home for their homecoming, which is the Indiana State game. Indiana State's not bad. I, I don't think they'll beat the Bears here, but uh, they're not a bad football team. Then you get into the meet with North Dakota State, North Dakota, Northern Iowa, and uh, teams of that caliber, and they are they're tough. Are the Bears nationally ranked yet? Yes, they are number eight. Last week they were number 18. I think they'll probably be a little bit higher this week, it was somewhere around 14, 15. I think the Bears are a playoff team. There are 24 teams in the 1AA playoffs, and uh, at this juncture, And viewing what an observer can from the field, I would say they are certainly a playoff-caliber team. What's the strength of the Bears this season? Defense. They play a lot better defense. Now you say, wait a minute. They gave up 23 points in the first half. How can you play defense? Not a bogus 23, but a shaky 23 by South Dakota yeah. because they came on big plays and they were the result of turnovers. So those things can happen. That's, that's part of football. But on as far as a team driving the ball on them, Niet did not happen. Transfer quarterback, how's he doing? He's a very good quarterback. His name is Jason Shelley. He's a kid who has a lot of acumen uh, as a quarterback. He knows what he's doing. Of course, this is his third college he's played, Utah Pac-12 team, Mm -hmm. Utah State, which is Mountain West, and now Missouri State. He's quarterbacked at all three, so he knows what he's doing. He got the starting call uh, in the Bears game against uh, uh, Oklahoma State and has been the starting call, but he got it for a reason. I thought "This this is classic Bobby Petrino and his understanding of football. He said, hey, this kid quarterbacked at Utah. He's played in games at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. Played Southern Cal, UCLA, Arizona, Oregon. He's played these games. He knows what it's like to play before a big crowd. And there was a big crowd at Oklahoma State. Saw what happened. Bears played him close and almost beat him.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited. As an alumni, it's good to see football back people talking about Missouri State football and the excitement that surrounds it and it's good for the community too oh, so get
1: out and see the bears play super, super for the yeah. community and it's been it's been a bear in hibernation here the last <laughs> several years and that's totally unfair <laughs> because it is a good program and what many of football uh, alleged football fans in this town don't realize one double a it is a hybrid division i admit But one AA is just a fraction of a step below one A, and the difference is the bench. You don't bring in the quality players from the bench that the the you don't have the depth. in Alabama, uh, their second, third, and fourth string players they could play for almost any other team going. Right, one AA teams do not have that luxury, but they can play their first units out there. Absolutely, they can play on an even scale.
2: Do you think the uh, national media, the national Schools have started to pay attention to Coach Petrino again, and I'm starting to look and say, "Yeah, it's a guy that could help our program."
1: There are some factors along the line. I think he likes it here. I don't know Mr. Petrino very well. I've met him, but I don't don't know him. But I do think he likes it here. This is, folks, this is a, a very blessed area that we live in, and it's not to be taken for granted. It has an awful lot to offer, and Mr. Petrino is also younger than I am by a lot, but he's still. 60 years old does he have the motivation to move on well if somebody's dangling a big paycheck in front of you you never know what the motivation might be so it's it's really hard to say but if it's just simply a determination in him to better his career he's already been he's been the nfl he's been at big time colleges he's down here it's springfield missouri kind of a relaxed area in a lot of respects and you're winning you're toast of the town there's a lot to be considered, guys. It's true. Very, very true. We're 25
2: minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, and Dan Israel.
0: Stick around for that. Till then, you got us, Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. We're getting set for some football this afternoon. Kickoff
2: is at noon. Pregame is at 11 o'clock. Let's talk baseball, though, because it's big. <laughs> big news around here. We, uh, honestly, I, the Cardinals are like, I don't know what to c- compare the Cardinals to. They just keep coming back from the dead,
1: and uh, they're... Alive and ticket right now. There is no fifteen question, straight. This is uh, an unprecedented situation, and quite literally, that is the case. This hasn't happened in many decades. The sixteen in a row, which is what they're going for this afternoon at Wrigley Field, is what hasn't been touched since uh, way back in the twentieth uh, century, somewhere along the line. So it is. It is really a great streak of baseball, and you're wondering why, how in the world, wh- why is this happening? Well, it's a perfect storm. A perfect storm for the Cardinals. Who are they playing? Uh, I'm going to get some grief for this. But, guys, the National League Central Division is arguably the worst in baseball. Yeah. By worst, I'm talking about the weakest. And that's where most, if not all, their games Wait a minute. They played the Dodgers. They did, and they split with them. Well, that's they good. The Padres, the Padres are in shambles. New York Mets are in shambles. The fact of the matter remains that this team, the Cardinals, have come together against some of the weaker opposition. That is not meant to denigrate what they have done because they've come from behind in these games. But what it does indicate is that the teams they're playing don't have, don't have the inner strength. I'm making myself clear on this. They're not going for any postseason position. Cardinals are. They are out there dedicated with every game. Does that mean the opponent's giving up? Heavens no. You don't do anything like that at all. But do they have that winning philosophy? No, they do not. So I think the Cardinals have hit on a really great streak and a fortunate one for them. The Milwaukee Brewers, heck, when they played them and swept them in Milwaukee, Brewers already had the thing wrapped up anyway. Were they playing with great determination? Yes. From a mental standpoint and an immediate, tangible standpoint, yes. But from an inner drive, who knows? I know I'm putting a lot of uh, psychology into this or alleged psychology But uh, the fact of the matter remains, the Cardinals have played well, going for a 16th straight win. They have wrapped up now the second place, second wild card berth, and they will go to the West Coast one day after the season ends, which would be a week from Tuesday. The season ends next Sunday, a week from today, Take one day off and then go to either Oracle Park or Dodger Stadium, whichever team finishes in second. And I think it's probably going to be the Dodgers who finish second. So it'll be a very interesting set of circumstances. Can they maintain this kind of winning attitude? Well, we'll find out. Do they have the players to do it? They probably do. But in regards to being a top-level championship team, right now they are. But when they get down to playoff time, different story.
2: TCB, baby. Taking care of business—that's what's going on. The Cardinals are doing it. So, really, I mean, they do have that the second wild card slot. Well, I mean, the Phillies are still in it. The Braves are still in uh, it. Yeah, uh,
1: Joe, let me interrupt. The and Philly, the Reds are still the in Phillies it. Phillies are not in it from a wild card standpoint. It's from a championship. They'd have to beat no, the they're, Braves. There's they're, they're, technically they're still in it. There if, there's no seven games left, and there's five. They've got they've got a five game lead over them. So the Cardinals would have to lose everything in sight for that to happen.
3: And that's not great. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things? I mean, you saw that's my Yankees. Of baseball. You saw
2: my Yankees. They won 13 in a row. And then what did they do after that? They dropped like
1: 14 in a row. Right? Yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah.
2: Pretty much like, well, they, they they only won two games out of their next 20, I think it was. So, well, I'll go ahead and congratulate you, Cardinal
3: fans, for getting that 16th win in a row because my Cubs are not my
1: Cubs anymore. They don't have any players left. They do not. In fact, they're sending <laughs> batters up. I've never heard of before. Exactly. Bringing in pitchers. They're, they are basically a triple, triple A uh, team, and they're building for next year. They are going to be, their staff has already said, very active in the free agent market once that opens up. Now this, again, doubting Thomas or skeptic moi, Ned Reynolds, uh, hopes that is the case. Hopes that the free agent market and all that exists because there is the right. contract to be settled on December the first.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a very big deal. Let's let's take a look at that really quickly. The Dodgers are up by 13 games in the first wild card position. They will win 100 games this season easily. The Cardinals have a five-game lead over the Phillies and six over the Padres and uh, over seven, sorry seven six over the Reds. Reds and eight over the Padres. The Padres are out of it. Yeah, pretty much with seven games left. Yeah, they are out of it. In the uh, American League, the Red Sox and the Yankees are tied for the first wild card spot. Two back are the Blue Jays. The Mariners are three back, and the A's are four back. I know we disagree about this because you don't like the extra tiers of playoff, but I this creates another another level of excitement because the races, there would only really be two races going on right now, if I'm not mistaken about that. That would be the National League West and it would be, what's that? Were you giving me a sign? No, 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 <laughs> oh, no, no, God, no, no, God. no, I thought no, you were oh, giving me a sign. No. Oh, <laughs> oh, <no>. well, <laughs> I thought we were doing yeah. the sting here for a second. <laughs> if I give you a sign,
1: you will know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not well, the u-
2: it's not the usual sign that you give me, uh, but, the, but uh, the read between the lines sign.
1: But, Joe, the you have to understand, you could do this with all 32 teams in baseball. Yeah. And them qualify for the playoffs. If you're going to keep adding wild card teams, why not do that? Because this Adding that second team, which I know has been a part of baseball since 2012, I understand that, but is it fair? It's rewarding mediocrity, and I do not like that at all. You you play 162 games to have a champion, a playoff with divisions and top-level teams, and maybe one wild card that I can maybe buy, but not adding more wild cards as the season goes on. No. Well,
2: well, let's talk about that for a second, mediocrity. Uh, the best team in baseball all season, San Francisco Giants. They have a two-game lead over the Dodgers. The Giants have 101 wins, 54 losses. The Dodgers, 99 wins, 56 losses. The National League Central, or the Milwaukee Brewers, 93 wins, 62 losses. The Cardinals, 86 wins, 69 losses. That If they were playing in the American League East, they would have a four-game lead over the Braves. Who, who is they? The, the Cardinals would have a four-game lead over the Braves because the Braves are eighty-two and seventy-two, and the Phillies are eighty-one and seventy-four. So, I think because the the d- divisions are tougher than other divisions, it adds a level of fairness for some of these other teams to be able to make it in when they would, if they were in another division, be leading that division. No comment.
1: <laughs> oh, I have plenty of comments. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to split the the teams the way they are now, and you have that level of competition going on, it it just it just does not. It's 30 teams have 15 in the American League, 15 in the National League, and play for the championship. Play for the with with your number one teams, but no, that's not what TV wants, and it's not what the executives want. All right, if you're going to add divisions and a division champion and one wild card fine that's the way the way it is leagues differ in strength what's the cardinals record in the central division as opposed to the second place team i think the they're the only ones above 500 aren't they
2: the cardinals are 86 and 69 the reds are 80 and 75 okay there are five games above so the reds should have a winning record this season well, they will. They yeah, probably. they well, I'm, they could still have a losing record, but they, they should have a winning record this season. But again, the the Cardinals would have a four-game lead over the Braves if they were playing in the National League East. But what is the level of strength in the National League East well, as that, opposed to the National League Central? That's what I'm saying is I I think you're you're leveling the playing field a little bit for some of these teams. But is it right? They still haven't won. Is it wrong though? Yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I say. I say the more the better. I love. I love more playoff
1: teams. <laughs> so, so do the. Uh, so do the TV folks. Oh I mean, yeah, it's coach.
2: more money. It's more revenue. Sure. All right, we'll be back with our picks as we wrap up Ned Talk this week.
0: You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Join your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. Today, the Chiefs face off with AFC rivals, the L.A. Chargers. Pre-game coverage starts at 10 a.m. with Ned Talk. Touchdown, Kansas City! Brought to you by Fazoli's, My Dentist, Watson Metal Masters, Chevy Dealers of the Ozarks, Sturdy Real Estate, and Queen City Motors. You're listening to the home of the Kansas City Chiefs, 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Just a few minutes from the
2: start of the pregame show. The Chiefs get set to take on the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers. (laughs) Should be a good game this afternoon. Kickoff is at noon. Beautiful, beautiful fall day. Let's uh, talk about our player of the week. It's brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Ned?
1: Player of the week for the uh, the Chiefs doesn't necessarily have to be a Chiefs player. Nope. You can be whatever you want to be. You can pick a baseball player if you you want to. Uh, We'll we'll give it to Lamar Jackson because I think he really propelled Baltimore to that victory. Not that he did the whole thing on himself, but he was certainly instrumental in guiding the attack, which gained 251 yards on the ground against the Chiefs. So I give my vote to uh, Lamar Jackson. What do you think, Josh? Are we going for last week or this week? Last week. Oh, man. (laughs) A lot of
2: confusion on this. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I would go Travis Kelsey. He had a really solid game. Yeah. He always has a solid game, doesn't he? The guy's almost unstoppable, like he said. Let's talk about our picks for this week. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Chiefs. Ned, who you
1: got? I think the Chargers come in and play a solid football game, but I don't think they have enough personnel. They certainly won't be able to stop Kansas City's offense. So I do look for a relatively high-scoring game. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this one at, in the neighborhood of a 31 to. Thirty-one to twenty-four. I'll give Kansas City the win over the Chargers.
3: What do you think, Josh? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game with very little defense. I'm going to say
2: forty-two to forty, Chiefs. Chiefs. Wow. Okay, so you guys know that I've been picking against the Chiefs, hoping to help the yeah. Chiefs win because I'm such I'm such a bad pro- prognosticator <laughs> that I've been picking against the Chiefs. So uh, that obviously is not work. The Chiefs lost last week, and uh, yeah, of you were right. I, I was right. Um, so, but I don't want to be right. So, <laughs> my new method for picking, uh, I figured this is the best way for me to go. Is I'm going to pick game, other games, and I'm going to pick games that have been played. So I pick the Carolina Panthers to beat the Houston Texans, twenty-four to nine. Oh man, you were spot on with that I pick, know, right? So I I'm now officially two and one on the season, and you guys are one and one on the season. So that's that's how I'm doing this now. I figure I I hopefully won't make anybody angry by doing it this way. Positivity
1: Ooh. through negativity. Exactly. Now, now, hey, straighten me out on this. How <laughs> on earth does that work? That can't. Well, be. I
2: mean, it, it's it's completely works. I used to there was when I was a kid. I used to bet this guy that I uh, my dad worked with and I would pick games that they would show on ESPN really late at night and it you know they would rebroadcast them later and I would pick those <laughs> games and and pick the win because I was a devious little fart <laughs> that's
1: awesome here, here is the way here's the way it works when I was a kid growing up you know you were all superstitious and you want your favorite team to win watching a baseball game with the Phillies one day my dad sitting there with me and of a fly in there. Snap that fly. Dad said, shouldn't have done that because the Pills will lose today. You shouldn't kill that fly. And sure enough, they lost. Oh, Therefore, man. the world is <laughs> afflicted with flies. <laughs> That's hilarious. Get set. The pregame show starts
2: in just a minute. If you missed out, check us out as a podcast. For-